0: Hi, and welcome to The Dad Nobody Wants to Listen to You About New York podcast. This is episode eight, and it's called The Education Inequality in New York City. Those of you who've been following the podcast will know that nearly every episode addresses some rather large issue that is almost unique to New York City in its size and complexity. Education is certainly no difference. It's a very complicated subject, and to make it easier, I decided to do some research into the different types of education in New York and the various issues that are facing New York in the future. Right now, as I record this podcast, New York City is facing probably the worst funding crisis in the history of the education system. Mayor Adams, as you know from previous podcasts, is really very upset about the number of migrants coming into New York City. It is bizarre that it's just about the only city in the whole of the United States that requires by law that you take every migrant who comes. And it was only last week again I heard that tens of thousands of migrants are just being bussed from cities in, say, Texas and bringing them to New York where they have to be looked after. In a standoff with the federal government, Mayor Adams is basically saying that he's going to cut the funding of education in New York because he can't afford it anymore, and he's going to be looking to the federal government to make up for the shortfall. Just this past Saturday, and today is Tuesday the 26th of September, Mayor Adams announced a 5% reduction in the funding to New York's public schools. This, in effect, would cut probably $700 million from the Department of Education's budget. And he's saying that it's all to do with the flood of asylum seekers coming into New York City. It's believed there may be three further rounds of 5% reductions, which could cut as much as $2 billion from the education budget in the future. Already, New York City is spending 14 $15 billion on education every year. This cut won't just affect the facilities in the schools, it'll also affect hiring of teachers. And the lack of teachers in the New York public school system is a major crisis as well. So inevitably, if you cut the number of teachers, you need to increase the size of the classes. Now, as I will talk again later, class size is actually determined by a legal mandate. But they're not going to be able to control this if they have less teachers. They're going to have to have classes with huge amounts of pupils, and this will definitely affect the quality of education for New York City kids. The migrant issue is something that is quite unique to New York and extremely concerning. This term, nearly 20,000 migrant children have entered New York City's school system. Mayor Adams, on the eve of the first day of school, gave a speech saying that the migrant crisis will destroy New York. This is very strong language, and some people are saying it's quite dystopian, but he is seriously concerned that the resources are finite in New York, and he cannot afford housing, education for all the people who are coming in. Since April 2022, as I've said before, over 110,000 migrants have come to New York, and 10,000 a month are coming. One of the main problems for the schools is that the children don't all just come from one country. They don't just speak Spanish, for instance. Um, The governor of New York, Governor Hochul, said that they have individuals coming from everywhere, from Mauritania, for example. And, you know, you don't know how many teachers can actually speak Mauritanian. It's a real challenge. They come from West Africa, South and Central America, so just assuming that everyone's going to speak English or Spanish, it doesn't cover everybody and it doesn't even come close. So at a time of major budget worries, you've suddenly got to have translation services and interpretation for families that don't speak English. So before we look into the detail, let's talk about the types of schools that exist in New York City. Probably the, the biggest and most well-known is the public school system. These are schools that are free for everyone. It's not a cheap system. Despite um, the availability of private schools and charter schools and religious schools, the New York City public school system is still probably the most expensive way of educating students. It's estimated that to educate one student costs over 38000 per year. Nearly thirty-seven billion dollars. One third of the city's entire budget is devoted to education, and it projects that student funding will probably reach forty-one fifty thousand by twenty twenty-six. Comparatively, in other states of the United States, um, they'd spend no more than ten to fifteen thousand for every child, and sadly, the academic success of public schools is nothing great. Public school students have about a 50% proficiency in maths and reading. High school's reading proficiency is about 75%, which is a little bright spot in performance. Some media blames the teachers' unions for protecting bad teachers, opposing reforms or uh, directing money to be spent in other areas that are not really useful but benefit union coffers. In New York, the salaries and benefits of teachers alone cost $16,000 per pupil, and that's 120% more than the national average. The schools, being public schools, are responsible to the government, and they have to do what the government say. They have to follow government curriculum, they have to follow legal class sizes. For instance, class size in public schools are capped at 25 pupils for kindergartens. 32 for elementary schools, 33 for middle schools, and 34 for high schools. Interestingly enough, public schools attract far more white pupils. 46.5% of pupils are white, and 18% are black, and 25% are Hispanic. The New York City public school system is the largest in the United States, with over a million students taught in over 1,700 schools. Within the public school system are specialized high schools such as Brooklyn Latin School or Bronx High School for Science or Brooklyn Technical High School. These selective schools are allowed and they offer the parents an alternative to the normal state system. The basis of public schools in New York is that they're free for everyone and nobody should be turned away. But these specialised high schools in the main can actually um, select people based on examination results and also even auditions or portfolios. The next major type of school in New York City are charter schools. These are schools that are still funded by the state but are privately run Uh, and one of of the criticisms that they face is that they don't need to have unionised teachers because they are run by themselves they can make choices that public schools cannot normally make. Again quite interestingly 59% of students in charter schools are black and only 6% are white and 31% Hispanic. Looking more deeply into this and as to why it's so different from public schools you find out that a lot of black parents say that they're extremely concerned about education for their children And perhaps more than the white community, they feel that their child has a greater chance to break away from the old past and get a better education and get on in life if they go to a charter school. Uh, These charter schools can sort of pick their pupils a little bit more. Uh, They allow a certain amount of flexibility in the curriculum. They can work the children much longer if they need to. They can have more rigorous academic standards but they are open to this criticism of segregation they can also choose to pick pupils at risk located in urban areas this can perhaps cause more racially isolated children in some areas some charter schools are nearly all black or some are nearly all white this has led to a big debate because back in 1954 The Supreme Court declared that separate public schools for races was unconstitutional and education should be integrated for all. Catherine Lamont is the Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights in the U.S. Department of Education, and she recently had this to say on television. I want to start by reading to you the words of Chief Justice Earl Warren in the Brown v. Board decision. He wrote, and these days, it is doubtful that any child can be reasonably expected to succeed in life if he is denied the opportunity of an education. Such an opportunity, where the state is undertaken to provide it, is a right which must be made available to all on equal terms. Katherine Lehman, 60 years later, the majority of all school, of the large school districts in America are majority non-white. Have we fulfilled that promise? We've not. We've come far, but we obviously haven't come far enough. And, you know, that's the depressing reality that I think has to light a fire under all of us. It certainly lights a fire under me and the work that I do. And we need to be uh, working to deliver on that promise. But there are so many things that are different and that are better in the 60 years since Brown was decided. My mother was 10 years old when Brown versus Board of Education was decided. She attended racially segregated schools before Brown. She attended them after Brown. It didn't change her educational experience, but it dramatically changed her life experience. And I didn't attend racially segregated schools as a result, for which I'm enormously grateful. My children don't, and I'm enormously grateful for that. And I work every day to make sure that other people's children also can uh, learn in the educational environments that the Brown Court promised for all of our children. Charter schools, as I said, are publicly funded and privately run, and they educate 13% of children across New York City and their enrolment has steadily been climbing from, I think, roughly about 100,000 students in 2017 to just under 150,000 pupils in the last school year. But the charter schools have caused a drain on the public school system, and many parents and individuals are saying that public schools are now receiving less funding because of the growth of the charter school system. They also have an inherent advantage to the public school system because they don't have to be quite so transparent over their financial and their selections. Uh, They don't have to take so many students with disabilities, for instance. And they can take an approach against discipline and suspensions of unruly pupils that public schools cannot do. They're also allowed to hold back students who are not making good grades. But obviously parents prefer the education being provided by charter schools. But as a result, uh, and because of the concern to the public school system, the New York State Senate actually passed a cap on the number of new charter schools that can be created. It seems so ironic that schools that clearly favor black and Latino people and offer a better level of education in maths and reading and outperforming the public system should now somehow be penalised for that. Charters seem to have quite a good business model. They receive much less per-pupil funding than the district public schools and rely to a certain extent on private donors, and I think one of them, a billionaire, uh, Mackenzie Scott, recently gave more than $14 million to two local networks. But in spite of that, no new charter license has been issued by the state legislature since 2019. Governor Hochul has mentioned that she might like to raise that cap again, but so far nothing has happened. The next type of school that is quite common in New York City are private schools. Now, private schools are obviously very expensive, and they are attracting the parents from more affluent backgrounds. Many of the private schools in New York City have tuition costs in the $60,000 per year range. Parents will consider sending their children to schools like that because they either went to them themselves, or perhaps location or the particular type of tuition, the guaranteed sort of average SAT scores that they offer, class size, and perhaps less violence or trouble and of quite importance to many parents, is that private schools can exclude whoever they like. They can have whatever application and entrance requirements that they deem fit. Uh, They can exclude disruptive kids. Um, They don't have to take kids from troubled homes. They don't have to worry about kids who can't afford books. Um, They probably will choose kids who come from parents who have a great incentive to have good educated children. Many of the kids are not suffering from behavioural problems. They can exclude children who are educationally unable to keep up, or with learning disabilities. But probably, like my education in the United Kingdom, which is very private as well, um, it's a social status thing because if you send your child to a certain school and an a famous school, it's something that will probably stand him in good stead to get into a very good university one day. And it's most definitely part of the social scene for the small minority of people who can afford it. When I was in New York the other day, I spoke to a couple of my friends. And they just told me the immense sacrifice that they as parents make in order to be able to afford the fees to send their daughter to a private school. Yes, it's true. In order to be able to pay fifty to $60,000 a year, you need to be earning at least $150,000 a year just for the education of a child. So a family that can afford to send one or two children must be earning nearly a million dollars a year to be able to do that. But the people I spoke to were very concerned about the public school system. Um, They feel that the private school is safer. There's no fighting. There's a a more rigorous curriculum. And, of course, if you are wanting to educate your child in a particular religious persuasion, then private schools are also the way to go. The religious schools are another aspect of the education system and they're a slightly more complicated system because they're not as expensive generally as private schools, um, but they will attend uh, people who are of the Jewish faith or maybe the Islamic faith. But these schools are not without criticism either. Um, the, For instance, the Hasidic schools uh, are actually attracting a large amount of Jewish people. Um, But they've been criticised for not teaching academic subjects properly. And in fact, they have the lowest standardised test scores in the state of New York. There is a lot of criticism about the way teaching is conducted in Hasidic schools, such as violence on the pupils if they don't do what they're told. And I think they've been funded probably by the state agencies as well, over $1 billion in the last four years. So they're growing and they're quite important in the educational scene. There are nearly 160 Hasidic schools now. These schools teach Jewish law and tradition, but are criticized for perhaps cutting off the children from the more secular world and not really concentrating any study on maths and English or science and history. They teach their lessons quite often in Yiddish. There are also a small amount of Muslim schools, although 99% of Muslim kids go to the public school system still. But the Muslim schools are growing uh, all the time because the parents fear the things that their children will be exposed to in the public school system, such as sex or drugs, the prayer that they don't agree with. But I think also the Muslims want their children to grow up with a Muslim identity, with Muslim ideas, and be part of Muslim groups in order to keep going the traditions of their faith. Again, perhaps more worrying and going to the discrimination debate is that Islamic schools can censor LGBTQ plus themes. So they can actually bring children into the world of education who don't really understand things that are perfectly normal now in society and then may even have prejudices which will not be good for the future. I actually spoke to um, a, a friend of mine who is Muslim and he sends his children to a Muslim school. And he was even actually slightly concerned that the children don't receive any form of sex education in the school at all. It's perfectly normal in most schools in England or Germany, for instance, where I live now, for children to receive sex education at school at a certain age, but not in these Islamic schools. It's designed in such a way that if kids want to learn about this sort of thing, they have to ask their mother. But what fascinated me most in my research is that a lot of African-American parents are taking their children out of the public school system and sending them into the private school system. Many affluent African-American parents are taking children's education extremely seriously. Uh, One interview I read with a father, he had three children, two daughters and one son, And he obviously managed to afford to send his children to Dalton School, which is an extremely prestigious school. And they thought that that would be a fantastic learning environment for the kids. And, of course, they're very, very pleased with the investment. And for them, it was worth every single penny. Um, Dalton, like most of these private schools, are rigorously academic and they obviously don't have the right fit for everyone. But if you feel that you want your kid to prepare for college and beyond, that's really the only choice that you have. The tuition fees, yes, crippling, 50 to 60,000 per child. And the parents will make every sacrifice they can in order to be able to afford that. Increasing numbers of African-American families feel that their children are going to be the future. And in order to get their children into society that perhaps uh, they didn't enjoy or their their, their parents didn't enjoy, their children need to have advanced degrees, not only just to obtain employment, but in order to be able to improve their standing in the community generally. Increasing numbers of African-American parents, like many white parents, are now feeling that it's their duty to provide a legacy that will live on through their children and their grandchildren and that so they will have a very strong foundation that will then trickle down to their offspring. So, this is a very new thing in America where finally, after a number of years, 1954, where segregation was normal, you've got black parents now wanting everything best for their children in the same way as perhaps the white parents did. But there is a problem with the private school system because it's getting out of control. If you're spending An average of 40000 per student, and many schools considerably more than that, parents are going to be wanting more and more for their money. So uh, there's almost, as it's been described, an arms race in the world of private secondary education for schools to create better facilities for the parents to see so that they can select the pupils. I, of course, saw this when I grew up. I was lucky enough to be privately educated in the United Kingdom. And my parents, they spent every penny that they had on my education. I, I so remember as a kid that my friends had color televisions, for instance, and we didn't have it because we couldn't afford it. Or my friends went on exotic foreign holidays. We didn't because my parents spent all that money on my education and my brother's education. And of course, at the school, there were very wealthy children whose parents didn't have to make those sort of sacrifices. But there is a problem with segregating your child in any way, and sending your child to a private school does tend to separate the rich from the poor. And if you have public school children and they have less funding going into the schools because all the education money is going into charter schools and private schools, that's not really benefiting education as a whole. In the United Kingdom, there's a movement at the moment to try to take away the charitable tax status of private schools. These schools are charging a lot of money. I think my school now charges nearly £50,000 a year. And of course, everyone hears of the schools that Boris Johnson and David Cameron, ex-prime ministers of the United Kingdom, went to, Eton College, also where Prince William went to. These schools can charge way more than that. The schools if they lose their charitable tax status, will mean that they will, you will have to pay as a parent VAT, value-added tax, on top of the fees, which will add another 17%. I think many people feel the parents won't care, because what's going to happen inevitably is the schools will just increase the fees by the amount of VAT that has to be paid. But the wider debate is, of course, why are private institutions that are clearly profit-based able to get tax breaks at the moment. This has been going on for years and it's still going on now. It's just a question of whether the next government decides to do something. Similar things are happening in New York as well. You most definitely can get tax breaks for private education and many people might see that as extremely unfair. But there is a system called a 529 savings account for tuition that offers probably at least $30,000 at a tax break. It's something that many rich parents can do. It's a a policy where you can put in, say, $200,000 at the birth of your child. It accrues interest, maybe 6% annually. And in the end, if you take a certain amount of money from that every year to pay for the education, you're saving all that tax on your interest payments. If you do it right, at the end of the uh, elementary school period, you should have enough money to fund the extremely expensive university system. But that's another podcast. These so-called coverdells um, are a system that really does influence the ability for the rich to be able to send their children to private schools. So that might be considered to be less than fair. Without doubt, The education of our children is probably one of the most important things that we can ever do for our children. But the problem is where you have a society that education is split into those who can afford private education, those who can afford to send their children to religious schools, those who are selected to go to charter schools, or the rest who end up in the public school system, you have a a segregated society that just keeps going on. Mayor Adams again announced recently something he called Breaking Bread and Building Bonds, which was a citywide initiative to combat the rise in hate crimes and inter-community fighting. It's supposed to foster a mutual understanding between New York's diverse neighbourhoods and he called hate a virus, which of course it is. But it's very, very hard to break this vicious cycle if you're segregating children at such an early stage, and many children will not get to meet the people that they should be breaking bread with. Again, I can speak from my own personal experience growing up in the English public school system. When I was there with these high fees, most of the kids there were coming from very, very similar backgrounds, from very similar white backgrounds, and it was very difficult for kids to have any experience of the rest of society. So you end up leaving school with a very slurred, slanted opinion of the rest of the communities in society and a certain arrogance that you are better than everybody else the proponents for private school education and i am certainly one i like private school education but you have to recognize that it does create a certain elitist sense in children and of course they grow into adults who believe that they are better than everybody else to a certain extent and they can often get access to better jobs and better things that people who didn't go to such schools cannot in my case Without any doubt, had I not gone to a private school, I certainly wouldn't have been able to have some of the job opportunities that I've had. I still remember so well sitting in an interview many years ago. And in the interview, the guy who was the managing director of the company, he looked at my resume and he saw that I went to Malvern College, which is a very prestigious private school in Worcestershire in England. And he said, oh, I send my child to Worcestershire, to to Malvern College in Worcestershire. That's really interesting. And of course, we had an instant bond and perhaps... I would like to say it was due to my skills and expertise, but perhaps also it was due to a certain amount of nepotism. He said, oh, okay, I'd love to have you on board. I sent both of my older children to private schools. Uh, my son, he did extremely well, and he ended up going into Brighton College, which now is being recognized in England as probably the best academic private school in the United Kingdom my two daughters in Germany, they go to a semi-private school. Uh, It's a different system, but it's probably more like the charter system. So in effect, in America, since the Brown versus Board decision, New York City's public schools are still very racially segregated. 41% Latino, 24% black, 17% Asian, 15% white, Over 8 in 10 black students and over 7 in 10 Latino students attend a school where more than 90% of their classmates are students of color. 34% of white students are enrolled in a school that is over half white. New York relies on this academic screening for admission more than any other place in the United States of America. But with Mayor Adams talking about reducing the funding to the public school system, it's going to get worse. More and more parents are going to realise that they don't want their children to attend public schools if they can possibly afford it and send them to charter schools. And hence the pressure on New York City and also the governor of New York to try to lift the cap on the amount of charter schools that are allowed. But as I mentioned earlier, more and more affluent black parents and and Latino parents are looking to try to afford any way they can, maybe through debt or through borrowing from family and friends, um, to send their children to private schools. So since Brown versus Board, New York City has supported the idea of racial and socio-economic integration in schools, but really has displayed little willingness in practice to foster integration. So maybe, as I try to do in all my previous podcasts, I offer my potential feeling of what could be done to improve the situation. And I would say that the best thing that you could do in New York City, a city that is so diverse and historically has been so, is to really make some action to create a school system that serves all students. It's crazy that my parents had to spend nearly every penny they earned to send their children to school. It's crazy that my friends in New York who are sending their children or have sent their children to private schools have had to do the same. It's completely insane that in a country that needs to come together like no time before, you're having a separate education system that segregates children and means that they never ever get a proper understanding of people from different racial or socioeconomic backgrounds. I'm not making a judgment as to why you would send your child to a public school, a charter school, a religious school, or a a private school. I fully understand the, the reasons for it all. But surely we as human beings need to look at this and try to create a system, an education system, that is fit for everyone, so people don't have to make these choices anymore. And just one final thought, and I'm just offering this. This is not my thought, this is something that I read about And it's about being white in the United States of America, being white in New York. It's kind of having a universal coupon for everything. A coupon that allows your house to be appraised for more than your black neighbours. A coupon that guarantees, for instance, that your traffic stop will end well. But also a coupon that makes your free public school diploma just as valuable as that, as a white person as a black kid whose parents had to spend thousands of dollars to send their kid to private education. So I've read that many white people obviously are benefiting from a system because it's advantageous to them, and it's not advantageous to black people. Is that really right? Is it right that black people are sort of being tripped into paying ridiculously high tuition just so that they can come out of school and feel socially equal to the white kids who went to the public school system. It's a kind of myth that everything bad just happens in the public school system. Private school kids also sell and take drugs, just like public school kids. And both of these kids wear uniforms, although perhaps public school uniforms might be cheaper. Private school kids go on all sorts of fancy class trips, Private schools can be breeding grounds for liberal racists as well, but there's racism in public schools, and there's almost a proactive use of racist thought in public schools. I believe that in public schools, the Black Lives Matter movement has a tremendous influence on the curriculum of school students public school students will be exposed to probably more racially diverse teaching than in other forms of education. So whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, these schools are not healthy the way they're being organised at the moment, and something needs to be done to finally bring them together as was hoped for in 1954. In May the 17th, 1954, The judge, the Chief Justice Warren, said, In the field of public education, the doctrine of separate but equal has no place, as segregated schools are inherently unequal. And as a result, the court ruled that the plaintiffs were being deprived of the equal protection of the laws guaranteed by the 14th Amendment. This inequality of education in New York City continues, though, to this day.